This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want better ways to get noticed? You better visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com slash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That is 208-467-7468. It's your girl, Christina. This is Overheard at Yoga. So let's crank up the heat and get down, dog. Welcome back to episode... Oh, what episode is this? Five. This is episode five of Overheard Woo. at Yoga. I have my good friend Jen Guitari here. Um, she's amazing. She's one of the coolest people I think I've ever met, to be honest with you. And I'm going to let her introduce herself because she is better at this than me. Jen, hi. Thank you so much for being here or through the phone. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's um Definitely a privilege and an honor to uh, be interviewed by you. Ooh, interviewed. I don't really like to think of me interviewing. I like to think of you as a co-host, but I'm really just grilling you. Oh, I like it. (laughs) But but we met, I want to say we met like in 2016 when you were living in Boise, but you no longer live here. Well, just go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell Tell me a little bit about you. Um, gosh, there's like, how, how do you ever answer that question? I know. <laughs> um, so I um, am an attorney and um, I'm actually going through a transition coming up, but I, for the bulk of my career, which has been about 12 or 13 years, 13 years, 14 years, um, I've been a civil rights attorney and I've gone back and forth between civil rights and like public defender work. And I currently live in Bozeman, Montana, where I'm a public defender here in Bozeman. Um, And then I very recently accepted a job working as in-house counsel for the city of Bozeman on all their civil matters. Oh, my gosh. Um, And so that, yeah, it's pretty, it's like, I'm like, whoa, this is happening. So I'll be helping guide and advise the city commissioners and the city manager and all the city departments on all things civil. So it could be anything from like policing policies to um, acquiring public lands for new parks to drafting contracts. And like realistically, the bulk of it will probably be drafting contracts. You're so (laughs) cool. um, Within that opportunity, I think there's, um, going to be a lot of opportunity to make some great impact on my community in a way that's different than I have previously. And then on top of that, I own a hot yoga studio, a power yoga studio. It's called the the practice power yoga here in Bozeman, Montana. 
Um, Which I love that name, and, The Practice, because you practice law and you practice yoga. So you named your studio The yes, Practice. I freaking love exactly that. Right. And I didn't quite put that together. <laughs> I didn't put that together for the longest time. And then I was like, wait a second. That is so cool. Um, I co-own this the studio, The Practice, with one of my best friends, Molly Casco. And we met in high school. And then we ended up going to college together. And um, I was in her wedding, and she actually trained me to be a yoga teacher down at Charleston Power Yoga in 2014. Yeah, yeah. And so we, she was just ready for a life change um, and kind of wanted to return back to the Rockies. She'd been out of the Rockies for a few years. And then I told her, hey, I'm moving back to Bozeman. I'm moving back to Montana. I'm going to open up yoga studio. And she was like, I'll do it with you. (laughs) I love it. And so we did. Yeah. Yeah. When did you guys open your yoga studio? So we opened six weeks before COVID. So January, 2020 MLK day, January, 2020. Yeah. Wow. Um, yep. And then we shut down about six weeks later and then reopened July. Um, with in limited capacity with all like the constraints. I'm so glad you guys were able to reopen because a lot of people were not able to reopen. In fact, that's what really inspired this podcast was so many yoga communities were just like done and over. And I, and I wanted to, to do this as my contribution to the yoga community to kind of keep us together. (laughs) Um, So I'm so happy to hear that your studio is still open. Yes. Um, it's been not at all what we expected to be a small business. Um, you know, we didn't make a business plan anticipating we would be open our first year during a pandemic, Yeah. but, um, you know, we just, you, you have to be flexible and you have to be, be able to go with whatever is thrown at you. Um, yeah, that's yoga. Yeah. Or close. Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to do that. So. Yeah. What's st- we are. <laughs> what style of yoga do you guys do? So we are a Baptiste power yoga community. Um, so we're under Baron Baptiste power yoga lineage. Um, so we've, you know, a lot of um, hot studios have derived from his lineage. So like Core Power, the mm. person who started Core Power, they were trained by Baron Baptiste. Okay. Um, power Living in Australia, they're like big power studios um duncan he was trained by baron baptiste so yeah so we're in the baptiste the baptiste family what so how do you describe power yoga because i think when i was new to yoga and i would see something that would say power flow or power vinyasa i'd be like oh i'm gonna get my butt kicked which i do but it surprised me because there was a lot of holding and i didn't realize at the time that holding meant power is that a right yeah. way to say that? Yeah. Well, I can only speak. There are a couple different lineages of power yoga. So I can only really speak to the Baptiste, the Baron Baptiste lineage. Like I know his ex-wife has a, has a school of yoga, um, Brian Kess. So they're all, they're different schools of power yoga. Um, but at least in the Baptiste power yoga world, um, yes, you will definitely get an athletic, vigorous, quote, workout. But more importantly, um, 
we use the the postures of yoga and the languaging, the way that we're taught to teach the postures Mm -hmm. to help our students access their inner power. So we try really hard to merge the, the physical with your inner strength which is really what yoga is about, but it's just the the delivery of power yoga and the methodology that we're taught and how to teach it that makes it a little bit more unique. I love that. And so, yeah, and so the actual practice, you know, our our Baptist power yoga practice, like, yes, you're right. Like it's, it's, you've got parts of the practice where it's fast moving and then you've got parts of the practice where they're longer holds. We've got balancing, you're on the floor holding, um, so it's a pretty well-rounded practice. Um, he, he created his practice or this sequence and it is derived from a little bit of everything. So there's a little bit of a Yangar influence, Ashtanga influence, um, Bikram influence, Vinyasa I influence. I love the blend. Kind of, like I love blended yeah, line. I love blend. blended yoga. I love yes. that. Yes. Yes. That's totally it. And And then really, like I said, it comes back to the languaging and the methodology, like the way we cue, there's a specific way we teach, a specific way we cue um, to help people merge those two worlds of physical power and then your inner power. I think I only have taken your class twice. And I remember the first time hearing you you speak and how you used your language, um, like my it felt like this weird shift in my brain because I had never heard anyone speak like that before in a yoga class. And I, I can't describe it. I, I think I also um, am a highly sensitive person. And so certain tones and sounds I'm a little sensitive to and it, and I'm also really into ASMR secretly. <laughs> so I think I had like a little <laughs> ASMR moment when I was in your class. I'm like, Ooh, who is this woman? What is she saying? How is she speaking like this? And I don't know if you were using that is that like some of your background that's the methodology yeah um and and i'm assuming wait i don't know what asmr is what's asmr oh where's oh here's my phone i'm gonna i I can never remember um there's the weirdest videos on the internet if you look for it and the food ones are gross don't watch those but basically if you're listening to certain sounds and seeing certain visuals in your brain, you'll get this, they call it the tingles. Um, and oh. people will use it to like help them fall asleep at night um, or to relax. It's called autonomous sensory meridian response. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, so if someone is speaking like softly into a microphone and then tapping on their phone at the same time in a certain way. Some people, not all people, will get this tingling feeling in the back of their brain. And I watched a a movie on Netflix. I think it was, oh gosh, it was like a docu-series. I don't don't remember. Um, Explained or... ASMR Netflix I'm like googling right now like what is what did I is see? it typically a positive or typically a negative experience for people uh 
it's positive. So people, one. so people will say oh, like, if I have anxiety, like I'll, I'll put my headphones in and listen to some like ASMR because it's supposed to be really relaxing. So I saw this weird. Oh, um, doc- well, thank you. That's a compliment. Yeah, then. yeah. And I feel like maybe that's why I was attracted to yoga is because listening to people speak softly and having yoga teachers be mindful of lighting, tone, voice, music, it helps trigger I think not only your parasympathetic nervous system, which is calming, but there's some connection to your ASMR, which is auto, I see, I can't even remember what I just told you, autonomic, blah, blah, blah. So I think something like that is, is, uh, is going on there with, with yoga. That's so interesting. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> You'll see like weird videos of girls, like just tapping their nails on YouTube, and that, like just it's yeah, it's weird. Check it out. <laughs> it's a little secret of mine that I'm I'm kind of into. If I can't fall asleep, I'll be like, we're just putting on YouTube and seeing what what happens. Oh, cool. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably maybe some of it. I I try to be very um, like mindful and intentional when I'm teaching with the language that I'm using. Because, like I said, Baptiste has a specific methodology, and then exactly what you said, like with the music, with the tone, with how loud I'm speaking at a certain point of class, um, how low I'm speaking, how fast, how slow, lighting. I mean, it's just, you set a stage for people yes. to have their, their experience, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah. Um, how did and, you, you know, some of that, sorry, <laughs> I wanted to ask no, you like how you got into that. Did you, did you just like, was that your first yoga class was a Baptiste style? And you're like, I love this. No. no. So I started yoga. I'm 42 now. I started yoga when I was 20. It was for my PE credit at the University of Vermont. Oh. And um, it was it was in the gym. And we did, a, I don't really remember what we did. It was more Hatha style. Um, and I liked it enough. Um, and I liked it enough to go to classes in the community with my friends, like, so to go to studios. Mm-hmm. But when I was in the studios, I really didn't like yoga that much. Um, but I, I kept hearing, you know, it was kind of a fad and that it's good for you. And it seemed, quote, cool to do. Yeah, cool to do. And I'm do. like, you know, 20, 21, 22, right? I'm in that very impressionable age. Um, and so I kept going intermittently to, to yoga through my early, from my early to mid twenties, probably, probably until I was maybe 26. And I finally threw in the towel because I just was like, I just don't like this. Like I'm trying to force myself to like yoga and I don't like it at all. What? And I didn't. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I could not stand it. I was forcing myself to go, and I didn't really know the difference between classes. I mean, I'd go to a Bikram class here. I'd go, you know, to a deep stretch there. I had friends who taught yoga. I would go to their class. and But I just was like, this is not – this is kind of boring. I don't really understand the point. Why are we doing this? <laughs> so I stopped, finally. I stopped, like, in my mid to, late, like, 25, 26, and I was like, don't force yourself. Like this is not working for you. Mm-hmm. You don't like it. And that's okay. And so then I did Pilates on the reformer for many, many years. Um, and I was a dancer when I was younger. What kind um, of dancer? And oh, 
more like modern dance. I grew up in New York City, and one of our classes was movement. So I would always have movement class, and I had to walk around in a little leotard, like, throughout the entire school. Cute! (laughs) But, yeah. Um, So I did the former Pilates exclusively, sort of as, like, my mind, body, the thing that I would practice um, in conjunction with, like, my outdoor sports. And then I had to leave Montana. I had lived here for about 10 years and I left because my then, my now ex-husband got a job out of state. Mm -hmm. So we moved and I couldn't fit my reformer where we were living. And by that time, I was probably early 30s and I was getting, I have a lot of back pain from like sports injuries and stress and all that stuff. And I thought, well... I guess I'll give this yoga thing a try again um, because that's what's available to me. I can't Mm -hmm. get on my reformer. And I found a hot studio and it was run or owned at the time, um, hot yoga Saratoga by a former lawyer. Okay. And And you're you're practicing law at this time? And I'm practicing law at this time. I've been practicing probably about, I don't know, four or five years, something like that. I graduated when I was in my late 20s from law school. And I remember I walked in, her name is Cindy Lunsford, and I said, well, I, what kind of yoga are you? Because like, I don't really want anyone to tell me to open my heart. I'm just not into that. <laughs> I love you. I, I get like, that. I just can't do that. And she said, she looks at me straight in the eye, she says, no, we don't talk like that here. You know, you can go to some studios if that's what you're looking for and they'll offer that, but that's not what we do here. And so she put me at ease, you know, that answer put me at ease. And then um, I just got hooked with the practice, with practicing in a hot studio. Um, I was practicing with Justin Wolfer at the time and I really loved his flows um, and being in that hot room and, you know, like the kind of like Hollywood, you know, the, the mats are really tight together. Yes, um, the energy. kind of like all in there. Yes, yeah, sweating in this little hot box. And then um, I traveled to a town, like, you know, 45 minutes away, maybe to try another hot studio. And there was a teacher there and she was Baptiste trained. And that was my first Baptiste class. So by this time, I'm, you know, 33 maybe. Um, and... I just fell in love with it. Like the way she was talking to me in class and how the sequence felt in my body and everything about it. And I looked her up and it said, she teaches this. Is she a Baptist? Like, what is she? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) And I just really, really like loved everything about that practice. So I would go back and practice with her. You're not always. Wait, would you drive 45 45 minutes away just to go to yoga? Is that, that how, class. is yeah. that why you went to her class? Cause you heard it was good. So you went, did you go just for that? Or you just, just happened to be 45 no, minutes away? I just happened. Well, it was just another hot studio. And so I was like, well, let me go check out this other hot studio. Cause there was only one in the town that I'd moved to with my ex-husband. 
they're like, okay, the next one is 45 minutes away. Like, let me just go check it out. Well, how did and you this go just from... happened to be the class <laughs> I could fall into it. Well, how did you go from like, I can't bring my reformer with me. I guess I'll try yoga again. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to yoga now. They're not telling me to open my heart. So I feel like I can get with this. Let's try another one 45 <laughs> minutes out of town. So you were making a shift into loving yoga. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. By that <sighs> time, I, I got hooked. I, have to I mean, ask, I was like... going sometimes <laughs> twice a day to class. Oh, my gosh. And at that time, oh, yeah, like my marriage was starting to dissolve. And it, and I am an atheist, so huh. I don't have any religion to give me that support. Yes. But yoga, like it is for so many of us, it's, it's a philosophy and it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. And as I dug more into it, it just it made sense to me. Um, you know, and there's science behind it, which also resonates with me. I'm right um, there with you. I get that feeling. Yeah. Did yoga open your like heart, a, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yoga has made me a softer and more compassionate person mm-hmm. than who I was before I was practicing regularly. I already had compassion because of my, my job. I was a social worker and then the field the area of law that I practice in, it requires just a lot of compassion. I'm working with um, really marginalized and vulnerable individuals and families. But um, there was a definite shift for me. Um, And I I do believe that shift that sort of like deepened my, I mean, because even, even though I had compassion and I was working with these communities, there was still a part of me that was very hard. You know, I grew up in New York City. Oh, I grew up right outside of New York City in Jersey City, which was like pretty rough and tough when I grew up. Um, And then being a lawyer, it's a pretty rough and tough career. Mm -hmm. Um, And practicing gave me a softness in all parts of my life that I didn't have previously. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a tremendous addition to my life to say the least (laughs) um when did you move to bali yeah so when when the marriage was dissolving um that was in like 2014 i was like well shoot i had sold my house in missoula and i was had a private practice i was working remotely doing appeals to the montana supreme court i didn't really have any anchor now at this point because the one anchor I had when I left the state was my then husband and that was you know I was cutting that anchor off mm-hmm. um and I'm half Filipina and so I've spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia and I was like well money was kind of tight as it often is when you go through those like transition periods mm-hmm. um and I thought I've always, I had always wanted to move to Southeast Asia and do human rights work. It was like on my bucket list of things I wanted to accomplish in my career. And I'd even told my like then ex-husband, like, this is happening. You're either with me or you're not. Yeah. And I just figured now is the time. Like I, why wait? This has been on my bucket list forever. So I wanted to just check that off the list. Um, <laughs> And so I did. I just sort of, you know, booked a ticket. I had made contacts with and had, you know, met with people in D.C. at USAID um, and other NGOs, the State Department. 
And what I said to them was, I'm going, tell me where you're sending the money because I'll follow the money to Mm -hmm. find work. Okay. Um, So you're the experts in the region. You tell me like what's happening in the region, right? And where, where the U.S. is starting to funnel money and that's where the jobs are going to be. And so that's basically, you know, what I did. Um, and I moved to Cambodia at first and was working there on a short-term contract. And then um, I met a, a lovely individual, a lovely human, and he became my boyfriend. And he had resided in Bali for nearly 20 years. Wow. And so when that short, short-term contract in Cambodia finished, and I was looking for another short-term contract or long-term contract that's how like the NGO world works over there. He said, well, why don't you come to Bali and stay with me while, between contracts? And then like another contract just came <laughs> and I just stayed in Bali for a while. I mean, it's good, but like, you know, it, the plan went sort of awry. <laughs> it became a different plan. What were you doing in Bali? Oh. Because when... Like when I would hear about Bali before I'd ever been, it just sounded like um, I almost didn't want to go to Bali actually because the hype was so big and it's like mm. everybody like is going to Bali and everyone's wearing mala necklaces totally. and like I just need to go into this <laughs> Bali retreat. I think I saw an episode of the Kardashians where they go go to Bali and, and speak to like a spiritual healer and. And so I'm like, Bali is so cheesy. And so when I ended up looking for a yoga teacher training to take, it happened to be in Bali with the trainers I wanted to go with. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm such like a cheesy yogi. I'm going to Bali. But obviously I loved it. And then you went from not liking yoga to living in Bali. So I feel like um, something's going on. Totally. I mean, you know, they Bali is the island of the gods. And they say you know, it's a Hindu island in a Muslim country. And the idea is that it's a, it's a island of healing. Mm. You know, I don't, there's that hard part of me that's very like Western science. Give me facts. What's the black letter of the law, right? And it's hard for me to open up to this, you know, Eastern philosophy, even though that's like where I'm from. Right. Um, But I have to believe that there is probably some truth to that. Because it's like, well, how did I wind up in Bali? Like, why didn't I go back to the Philippines? You know, Mm. for whatever reason, that's where I landed and where I ended up spending, you know, working abroad for about over a year and a half. Um, And and I completely agree with you that there is this Westernization of um, life in Bali because it's become such a hip, hip place to be. Um, and I too, am like you where I'm like really turned off by that. I yeah. just, I think cause I grew up traveling. I'm multiracial. I'm very aware of like Western cultures coming in and just exoticizing other cultures yeah. and like just this whole, you know, and so I, I take a lot of issue with that. And so I lived in a little village nowhere near like Changu or Ubud, which are like the hot spot yes. or Seminyak. Um, and he, you know, that was still there. My, my lovely boyfriend at the time, he had lived there for so long. He, you know, was um, fluent in Bahasa. Like he was a part of 
he's French, but he had really sort of integrated into the Balinese community. And he didn't, he was very resistant to living in those locations where all the Westerners were because he would say to me, and there was a lot of truth to it of like, why would you move to Bali to then live in Europe Yes, (laughs) or Australia? Like, that's not why I moved here. I moved here to live in Bali. I moved here to live in Indonesia. And I held a lot of respect for that. Um, You know, I couldn't speak to anyone in, I lived in Jimbaran. I couldn't speak to anyone because my like Indonesian was so, you know, not, I was taking Indonesian classes, but just not that great. My Indonesian was not great. And there weren't, a lot of Westerners around me. So I lived a very isolated experience that I think is very different than a lot of Westerners who go to Bali. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I was there, I like undertook this because I was sort of, I mean, I would just spend days of not seeing anyone. Right. And I didn't really have a big community. I wasn't in Shangu. I wasn't in Ubud. I wasn't in like, you know, the health food, whatever. Um, so I started doing 365 days of meditation. Oh. And my that's where it all started, where that started. Um, yes. And I kind of like went into like my own little um, yoga meditation retreat for 365 days. Um, and it was really powerful for me and really healing. And I learned so much about myself and about, how I view the world. Was that your intention? Um, did you say I'm going to do this for 365 days or did it just ended up, it just ended up happening? No. So when I left the U S and I was on my way to Cambodia, I had a book. I had just completed teacher, teacher training in 2014. And one of the books they gave us was meditation from the mat by Rolf Gates. Yes. who's also Baptiste trained. Yes. And he has a meditation day one through day three, 365. And I said, when I left the U.S., my intention was to never return to the U.S. I was just going to move abroad permanently. And I said, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but at least for this first year, I will, the one thing of structure, point of structure I have in my life is to do, is to meditate once a day, every day for 365 days and read, you know, each day of meditation that he had written. Um, so by the time I got to Bali, I was already maybe two or three months into my 365 days of meditation. So it was a part of sort of that journey rather than maybe starting it. Okay. Um, did that include yoga practice? Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was practicing between yoga and meditation. I was probably practicing five to six hours a day. Wow. Um, Oh, yeah. And I still had my private practice to Montana. So I was writing these appellate briefs like late at night and like calling guys in the prison, my clients. Oh, my God. But then during the, oh, yeah, it was like really wild. And then, but during the day, um, because I was really isolated in this village. I had this little, you know, second floor deck overlooking the ocean and I made it my outdoor yoga studio and meditation studio. And I would just stay up there and basically meditate and yoga and meditate and yoga all day. 
for finding Jacob Thomas. Okay, so I'm I'm curious, like, what was the best part and what was the worst part, or was it both? Oh, it was. I mean, days when I could only get in a five minute meditation. Um, you know, like the average was probably five, five to six. Most days was probably around five to six, right between the two. Um, but there were days that I would only do five minutes of meditation because, you know, maybe I had something else going on. I had a lot of friends from the U.S. come visit me and they knew I was over there. And those days were hard because I had like, I had created this sort of like recluse yoga meditation lifestyle where I was so used to doing large amounts of time living that kind of life. Mm-hmm. So that then when I'm only doing five minutes, I don't want to say I was addicted, but maybe in some respect I was, it felt like it wasn't enough. Like I didn't get my six. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Versus now in my Western life, you know, five minutes of meditation, 20 minutes of meditation. It's great. Right. But because like I had raised the bar so high, um, it was like I needed more of that solace, more of that quiet, longer yoga practices. Um, and even when I returned to the U.S. and I was practicing, you know, when I returned to the U.S. in 2016 and I'm only finding like classes that are 60 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like <laughs> we should, at least, who has at least a 90 minute practice so I can practice 90 minutes in studio and then go home and practice some more. And it was a big transition. Um, you know, and now at my current studio, we have some classes that are 45 minutes at like 6.15 in the morning. Oh, yeah. Well, once you start running a business, you're like, oh, not everyone can do a 90-minute yoga class. What can I totally. offer those people? Right. Or wants to. Or, even, or right? wants to. When you're like, everyone's leaving 30 minutes early. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Which was happening a lot we'll when we had hours. that. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Um. Yeah, so, and then probably the best part was um, I really deepened, I mean, this seems like such an obvious answer, but it's the truth. I just deepened my meditation and yoga practice so tremendously. Um, It was like I was in my own one-year retreat, basically. Um, So, you know, it it was just, oh, I think I just got a little ding. Sorry about that. And, you know, I deepened it on a physical level, like my body was, was strong and equally flexible Mm -hmm. and mobile. Um, And then my mind and my physical body, the amount of time that I could sit and really hold that stillness is really long. (laughs) Versus now, you know, it's kind of like anything, you fall out of shape, right? Yes. Um, because I'm now more at a traditional job. You know, I don't have that flexibility. I'm at, I'm at work during the day. So, so would you say the science of meditation, um, were you able to see that when you practice 365 days of meditation? Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I went to my first meditation retreat when I was 21. I did like a Vipassana 10 day meditation. And so by the time I was, you know, my early 30s, mid 30s at that point, 
I was pretty well versed on the science, but I had never over all those years fully experienced the benefits that I kept reading about. Mm -hmm. And then it was having that consistent of a practice where I really saw how like my, my response time to situations, it it increased. So I wasn't very reactionary. I could like hold that pause and hold that space. Um, Versus not having that before, you know, it's just like a boom, 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 boom. A lot of people just, you know, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Yeah, that's such a great way to put that because I, I don't think I could ever formulate it into words for the longest time. The benefits that I was receiving from my mental um, benefits from yoga and meditation. But when you say your, your reaction time, because I think I, I think I've said this in previous episodes too, like you're reacting to your life. Whereas suddenly, Mm -hmm. um, you, you see a reaction coming up within you and you just notice it without following that path. And so being able to just see things without reacting and thinking more clearly and more logically, which is funny in the way mm-hmm. when you brought up that you're an atheist and I feel like I resonate more with that than with, with religion. I'm, I guess I would say I'm agnostic. So I don't know what the fuck's going on, but when people talk <laughs> about, talk about like meditation and yoga and they relate it to spirituality um, and opening your heart, some people that's really difficult. If you've like me, I came from kind of a religious background and then I couldn't wait to get away from mm-hmm. it because it didn't resonate with me. But I feel, but then I feel like I'm so attracted to yoga. I'm so attracted to meditation. And sometimes I go to these mystical places that I can't explain. And I just, I just Mm -hmm. basically say, that's just the beauty of life. And that's, that's the best that I'm going to get. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, it's like, it's almost like I, I stepped on the mat as a cynic and I became a believer. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, I wasn't someone who was you know, like in, into sort of that mysticism. That's not me at all. But then when I can really see tangible effects in my, like my intellectual and my emotional state and my physical state, like that's my evidence. And that's what makes me keep stepping back on the mat. And Mm -hmm. I really like, I think about it, like I tell my students um, in class, you know, it, that pause, when I have that pause, it gives me the ability not to react. It gives me the ability to respond. Yes. And there is a massive difference between reacting and responding. When you're responding, you're really in the driver's seat. Like it's purposeful. It's intentional. It's thoughtful. It should be in line with who you are. Mm-hmm. And when you're reacting, it's like it's just cr- cruise control is on. Um, and there's like no thought to it, right? You're yes. just pulled and it's like, this happens. Um, Mistakes and so to happen. really have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so to really have the ability to, re- to respond thoughtfully and intentionally is, is really like the biggest change that I saw during that, those 365 days. They increase my responsiveness to life. So if people want to find you, where can they, they find you if they want to follow you? Do you have social media? I do. Yeah. They can find me on Instagram 
Uh, my handle is Powerful Flow Yoga. They can also find me in Bozeman. You can find me in the studio or we offer classes on Zoom simultaneously. And that's the Practice Power Yoga. Um, our web is www.thepracticepoweryoga.com. And that's also our social media handle. Ooh, do you have any cool like trainings or workshops coming up? Yeah, so we are lots of things. We ha- we're actually starting um, teacher training. Our second one since we opened is starting this Friday. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and I'm sure you've seen it like, you know, with Hollywood of how it just kind of grows. And so we're seeing that like steady growth, which yes. is really exciting. So exciting. Um, and then um, we have um, here in Bozeman live in the studio um, a woman empowered series. And it's taking a look at hormones, hormonal health. And tailoring that to like a, a yoga practice, oh and there will be discussion. That sounds wonderful. And my partner, yeah, my partner Molly is leading that, um, along with a health coach here in town. And um, yeah, that's that's basically what we have coming up in March and April. I remember um, before the shutdown, I had seen on social media that you were going to do a yoga for attorneys specifically, Yeah, um, which I am so intrigued by that. My mom was an attorney growing up too, and she's not quite into yoga. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. She totally like got over it and she's now a raw food chef. Um, (laughs) but I was just thinking, it took me like five years to get her to come to a yoga class but I thought that was really cool that you were creating something like that is something like that coming out again soon yeah I think um maybe again in the fall or winter which is like our our hot seasons here hot 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 yoga seasons in Montana because our summers are so short everyone's outside on the trails yeah not at all like Boise we have like these long beautiful springs and summers um but yeah that was like really designed specifically for lawyers or anyone who works with lawyers. So like paralegals, legal assistants. Um, And the hope was to give them a different set of tools to use in their law practice and in working with clients who are in distress. Because you can't, it's difficult to hold space for people who are in distress. And that's really what our job is as lawyers and we're problem solvers Yeah, when you are constantly in distress. So <laughs> giving them that space to kind of, you know, therapeutically deal with their own stresses and then just giving, talking, you know, taking a little time for discussion after our practice of, you know, how you can incorporate that into your work with clients. And I do that, you know, like when my clients are getting upset, I, I cue them to breathe. Yes. Right. I tell them like, do you need to take a moment? Like I use that in my law practice because sometimes depending on what people are, are facing, it's usually emotional and they get into that reactionary mode where they can't think they're so emotional. Um, I think even just so, yeah. um, what I learned in teacher training is if you're breathing audibly and slowly, I, I think I also learned this in a conflict resolution course I took, people will be inspired to also breathe deeply with you. So even without saying it, if you're taking deep breaths, um, uh, it's almost like a, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, 
<laughs> I don't know. Like, it's like you look at someone yawning and you want to yawn. You see oh, yeah. someone taking deep breaths and you're inspired to take deep breaths. So I that's like, awesome. I think that's a cool thing too. And I have to, I also have to ask you this. What have you overheard at <laughs> yoga? Oh my gosh. I was thinking about this and I was like, what have I overheard at yoga? <laughs> so probably the, crazy, the craziest thing I've overheard at yoga was someone saying to me, so we all, well, we all go to yoga for different reasons, right? Some people go, especially power yoga. Some people go only for the quote physical workout mm-hmm. and some people go for emotional, mental health, whatever. And I just always think like, you know, whatever you're coming for, that's fine. If it's only physical and you want to lose weight and that's what your focus is on, fine. There's more to offer, but you'll get a benefit there. So this was coming from someone who really just wanted to lose weight and go to yoga to lose weight and, and high yoga. And they said, well, I heard that if I wrap my body in cellophane and practice hot yoga, that I'll lose more weight. I was like, no, no does she, you're just, no. Did she no. like ask if she could no. bring her, her saran wrap to class? And just like, no. could you imagine you're in class, was, people are meditating and someone's got oh. saran wrap, like wrapping up their legs and arms? <laughs> I just don't even know how they could have thought that was like a thing. Like I was like, well, how did your brain even get to the point? thinking that maybe you should wrap yourself in saran wrap and go to yoga. So like, don't do that. Don't wrap your body in saran wrap. They're, they're selling cellophane at the yoga. front desk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. It's like oxygen and cellophane and yoga. So, I think yeah, that would be that a really fun probably, yoga class. We should do that. <laughs> yeah. It would be, it would be interesting. So probably that, that was probably the craziest, question or thing that I had heard in the studio where I was like no that's no I don't I have not I have not heard that I've not been asked that um Jennifer I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much for Mm. for being on the call with me I'm always so inspired by our conversations I just think you're so cool I love what you're doing thank you thank you Uh, Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. And um, I just love hearing your voice on these podcasts every week. Yay. All right. Well, I'll have to come and see you and visit the practice. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And I want to hear from you. Please send me your Overheard at Yoga stories. Tell me about your yoga journey, what you love about your home studio, or the funny thing you overheard at yoga. Find me on Instagram at overheardat.yoga to submit. There are so many different styles of yoga and opinions about yoga, but the one thing I've seen in all my travels to different studios is yoga brings a community together. Namaste.